Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle is UFC heavyweight Tim Johnson. Tim, welcome to Half the Battle, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely, it's my pleasure. So, obviously you're a UFC heavyweight, and you're also in the U.S. Army, so I gotta know, man, how do you balance the two? Because those are two seriously disciplined uh, jobs. Um, well, uh, at least uh, on one side of it, I'm not actually, you know, I'm uh, active duty, so, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm a guardsman, so um, that kind of helps, as in, I only have to go train, um, you know, uh, one weekend out of the month, and then, you know, like two weeks a year, except this year, which I'll be gone for the whole month of June, but, uh, you know, I think there's this kind of your hire, how you're working with your, you know, your leadership. Uh, you know, my leadership's always been very flexible with me and uh, supportive. So uh, it, it kind of, uh, it mixes all right. But there's times that it does clash. So are you saying basically that you're on reserve and they can call you at any point? Um, to an extent, yeah. Well, thank you for your service, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, man. So, okay. So you make your MMA debut and you TKO the guy in the first round. First of all, at that point, is that when you knew, hey, this is what I want to do? Um, yeah, um, it's it was kind of an eye opener. Like, oh, all right, you can hang with you know the best in the world. <laughs> yeah, and then your very next fight, you actually got submitted, and, and after that, you go on a win streak. But how important was was it to take that first L? Um. Well, the very first one, I was, it was kind of, uh, I rubbed it the wrong way, because I was, uh, I was, uh, clearly winning that fight the whole way. Um, <laughs> uh, I just couldn't finish the guy off, big, burly, strong guy, and, um, you know, kind of made a mental mistake and got caught in a submission. So, that was kind of a, you know, live and learn type thing, but what kind of, uh, what's crappy about that deal was, it was a fight right before we left for deployment. Uh, I knew I had to take, so no matter what, I had to, you know, sit on that loss for, you know, well over a year. So, um, as that, you know, uh, losses are all right as long as they learn something from them, I always say. Yeah, well, you said it's live or learn. So, I mean, what exactly did you learn? Because, like I mentioned, after that loss, you went on an eight-fight win streak. Oh, um, you know, just simple, you know, from that fight, it was, kind of uh, getting your head wrapped around like uh, you can't just wrestle anymore. Um, wrestling is what got me. You, you can wrestle to a point then you got to forget it because it will get you in trouble with someone who knows some uh, jiu-jitsu. Um, and that's exactly what happened in that fight. Um, you know, I was just wrestling and had my hands in the wrong place. That, you know, would have been safe if, uh, wrestling-wise, but uh, I got caught in a Kimura. <laughs> now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're a former D2 wrestler? Yep. So, what was it like transitioning from that wrestling background into MMA? Because as we all know, obviously you mentioned what well, the example with the jiu-jitsu, but the striking too, man. You can't just rely on your wrestling, but it is a very good base to have going into MMA. Um, it, it's, it is, it's, a, it's an easy transition. Uh, I think everybody kind of knows that right now. Uh, but it's just kind of uh, more or less uh, the mentality side of things. Um, you just kind of know how to work. I guess, uh, you know, how to put in the time and, uh, and work to get better at whatever you need to do. Like right now, you know, for me, it's striking, you know, um, trying to get that, uh, as best as I can get it to be and, uh, kind of putting wrestling and grappling on the back burner right now. 
Yeah, so do you feel like that mentality that you learn through wrestling is something not that not just that you carry with you inside the octagon, but in your everyday life? Because like we mentioned, you are in the army and obviously you had to learn the other disciplines of the sport. No, absolutely. Like, um, that's, I've got a job strictly because I've been a, because I was a wrestler. You know, um, you know the employer. You know, was like, oh, I was a wrestler, hardworking. Oh, you're hired. All right, sounds good. Yeah. So, okay. If you were to describe your style to someone else, how would you describe it? Because for me, you know, when I break down fights, I think of you as, you know, obviously you got a wrestling background, you but you can knock people out standing too. You're really good in the top position. So it's like, you know, what, what do you like most? Do you like putting people up up against the fence and taking them down? What's your favorite thing to do in there, man? Because you've won, you know, via submission, via knockout, via decision. You've done it all. Um, I'd probably say it gets like cage work. Uh, trying to get a uh, dirty boxing kind of uh, would be my favorite position to end up ideally where I'd want to be it's kind of a, uh, in those situations not the not striking at a distance but like uh, you know that close dirty dog dirty boxing stuff yeah man it definitely shows in your fights and you know obviously before you made it to the UFC you never actually saw the third round of a fight. But prior to making your UFC debut against uh, Shamil Abdurahimov, you took on Travis Yu. And this guy, you know, he's had 100 fights. He's a complete veteran. What was it like taking on a guy with that kind of experience? Um, well, at the time, it was, uh, it was all part of the plan, you know. <laughs> Trying to get fight uh, better guys to go up. And, you know, regionally, he was pretty much the top-tier guy we could find. Um, so it was... Uh, it was a good experience um, on many levels. Like you know, Travis, like you said, he's had like a hundred fights, and he's he fought for every organization there is. And it was just kind of a um, a nice opportunity in my eyes to have the chance to fight him because you know I knew we'd get a win there, then that at least turned some eyes and get seen. Yeah, but I mean, like mentally, you know, you only had you know nine or ten fights at the time. He's had about a hundred fights. So is it at all like? Holy shit! This guy's more experienced than me, or is it like I'm, I'm about to fuck this dude up? Yeah, no, that's uh, probably the probably the first one there. Yeah, like, yeah it was definitely nerve wracking, you know, because um, like yeah, you know, uh, that was like fight number eight of mine or something like that. I can't remember, uh, but it uh, yeah, it was definitely a little shell shocked there <laughs> in that aspect, the nerve wracking and start you know uh, get getting uh thinking about oh man oh this might be ugly stuff like that but um it turned out all right yeah so you knock him out in the first round what kind of a relief was that man oh it was awesome i was like uh like i was you know two times with the top of your chest it was just uh just that ha- over overwhelmed the happy feeling that you get when the ref pulls you off <laughs> Yeah, and speaking of an overwhelming feeling, I mean, you after that you got the call to fight in the big show, so I got to know what that was like, man. Um, yeah, I signed like uh, about a week after that view fight. I signed with uh, my manager Brian Butler with Soccer Punch, and about probably two weeks after I signed with Soccer Punch, he called me. And, um, I was still driving truck a couple times. So I was you know, driving down the road. He uh, just called me and said, "Hey, how would you like to be in the UFC?" I was like, hey, yeah, are you, uh, you bullshit me? Because that would be a very funny joke. And he's like, nope, for real, man. Good idea. 
yeah, said, we'll send you over a signed contract. And I was like, oh, awesome, man. <laughs> uh, and then it took about uh, probably a month before it actually you know, hit me that I was in the UFC. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that's absolutely incredible. Now, before we talk about your UFC debut, how did you get into fighting in the first place? Um, kind of by accident. Uh, I got done wrestling. And there's a couple of area heavyweights who've been uh, fighting for a while. Uh, you know, one was it was my you know one of my training partner now is Zach Tom. Um, he was a really good wrestler. That's not how we knew each other. And then um, Chris Tusher. Um, I don't know if you remember that name or not. He was heavyweight. Of course. You know, way back when. Um, well, you know, heavyweights are kind of hard to come by sometimes, so they just. Like want an extra body to come in and roll around with them. I'm like, yeah, come roll around with you guys, no big deal. Um, I'm not gonna fight though. I go, like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> but uh, I went in there and kind of rolled around for like a month and, and got a just kind of wanted to give it a try. Then called up an area promoter and yeah, no, and I you know, called up an area promoter, told him like, hey, look at the fight, and they put me on it, and there it is, there it goes. <laughs> yeah, there you go, man. So you mentioned uh, Chris Tusher and. Uh... So, did you train with Brock at all? Uh, no, no. You know, I don't. He's definitely done training for the most part. I think um, he's got his WWE stuff going on, and I think he's just kind of focused on that and his family, though. But yeah, he still, you know, lives in Minnesota here, like hour down the road from <laughs> where I'm at. So uh, it would be nice. It'd be nice to be able to call me. Hey, want to come down and you know roll around a little bit? It'd be like a minute. That'd be a good phone call to take. So I, I heard an interview with you where you said that you used to bounce, and uh, you got any? And you got any good uh, stories from bouncing with uh, some guys trying to act up to Tim Johnson? Uh, no, actually, it's kind of nice. Nobody really knows who I am, so I, I like to keep it that way. Because um, I shaved my mustache was after the fight, so I go. I'm incognito. I look like a totally different person. <laughs> so, so, so to them, no, you're... no. No one ever recognizes me. That's funny. So to them, you're just the big bouncer not to mess around with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and obviously we'll talk about the mustache in a bit, but I'm sure that's what everyone likes to ask you about first. So uh, we'll, we'll get to that later. Let's talk about the fighting, man, because, uh, you know, I, I got to know this stuff, man. You, you make your debut against Shamil Abdurahimov, and obviously we all know he's a scary Russian. One doesn't simply fight a scary Russian in their debut, let alone full mount them and pound them out. So when you got the call that you had to fight a Russian, what was that like, man? Because for a lot of guys, they're like, oh, shit. Um, I just, I kind of went into it like I do all, pretty much all my fights. You know, it's just another, just fight. Two things that happen, you can win or you can lose. <laughs> well, that's a good mindset to have, man. And, uh, you know, the fight... It was going on, and you take him down with a with a blast double, and immediately you passed a full guard. I mean, were you surprised how easy it was to get that full guard? I mean, excuse me, that full mount? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and that's where it's kind of, after, when I think about it, I'm like, I must have, you know, knocked the wind out of him or something on the takedown, because it was, like, it was very, it was a really easy pass. Like, um, it shouldn't have been that easy, so... Um, but, you know, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, of course you'll take it. And uh, let me ask you this. I know some fighters would probably say, well, you got to ask my opponent. But in your mind, do you think that it messed with him at all when he got that point deducted? Um, I don't even know, I guess. Uh, he seemed a little frustrated with it. Uh, but, you know, the case, I mean, that all happened. 
I mean, I think the point got deducted about halfway through the round. So, I mean, we were well well off into the rest of the fight by the time, you know, that came around. So, I don't think it messed with them too much, I wouldn't think. Yeah, and I mean, there's no excuses because, you know, champions overcome and adapt. So, it is what it is. I'm just curious about the psychology, you know, inside the octagon because, you know, every little thing counts, man. And I mean, if he were to take away a point from you, would you be like, you know, okay, I got to finish this guy now, or does it not change your sense of urgency? Um, I'd probably say it would change your, depending on, you know, what round it's in, how the previous rounds went, or, um, it's not, it's not all be situational, you know, rather to pick up your urgency, or just kind of like take it, and hopefully get a 9-9 round. Yeah, definitely. I'm. I'm not trying to be Mr. Hypothetical here, <laughs> but uh, that was an awesome. Uh, that was an awesome TKO, man. So it must have felt good to get you know your first UFC victory in your debut. Yep, no, that is it. Especially, uh, wasn't things were going my uh, my way on my feet there either <laughs> for the majority of that fight. So, <laughs> so it was nice to get it down to where I felt comfortable and you know finish it off. Yeah, so next up, you took on a D1 wrestler in Jared Rochal, and, you know, it didn't go your way, but it was the first time you'd ever gone three rounds in a pro fight, so it must have been a good learning experience, so let's talk about a couple things in that fight. Firstly, what did you learn after your fight with Rochal? Um, well, there's some mental mistakes that I made, you know, just uh, kind of stay calm or, you know, don't get over uh, zealous. Uh, Kind of, there was a couple of spots in that fight where I did kind of jump the gun and um, lost position because of it, which kind of cost me the fight. And then, but um, not to, but overall, it was kind of not to um, just get pig headed and stick to something that I think that I'm going to be better at. Him at you know, um, everybody, you know, talked about his wrestling and all that. And I felt my wrestling was. You know, wrestling scenario, say if it was college wrestling, yes, he would win. But I felt my MMA wrestling was just as good as his, and I just held on to that too long. I should have been breaking, should have been um, in clinch with them so much, or should have definitely broke away and, uh, and done some striking. But, you know, live and learn. Yeah, so you went into that fight like, I'm going to out-wrestle Jared Rochelle. Yeah, <laughs> so that's kind of, kind of what the some reason, you know, it was on my mind. Hey, well, you know what? You learn from it, and you know what? That's ballsy, man. Even though we all know that Rochal doesn't like to take punches, as you showed in that third round, it's still ballsy that you tried to beat him at his own game. And then you come back in your next fight against Marcin Tibura, who was very, very hyped at the time. And firstly, I want to personally thank you for cashing that underdog play in in style, <laughs> my friend. But, uh, you know, <laughs> so Marcin was super hyped up, which... Uh, you know, I got to give him the respect he deserves. But when I was scouting this fight, I was like, you know, Tim should be the favorite. So then when I saw you as the dog, I was like, all right, we're moving in here. And you went out there and you did your thing. So that was the second fight you've ever gone to decision in. What was that like, man? Um, I was I was happy with it. That's kind of um, that's the fight I wanted to fight. Um, you know, in, you know, a few weeks ago, that was the I didn't want to wrestle at all. Uh, I wanted to actually, you know, stand up, uh, throw punches, and kind of show that there's a little bit more to me than just, you know, being a, a wrestler, grinder guy. Um, but 
still, you know, working on that, but because there was like, uh, right on top of my head, there was three opportunities instantly, like great opportunities for a takedown. And I had to tell myself <laughs> to not, not to capitalize on them because that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to stay on my feet the whole time and, you know, um, box and strike. So um, from that aspect, I think I accomplished what I wanted to. Just need to do it with a little more volume next time. Yeah, and in that third round, you know, for me personally, I thought you won all three rounds, but the judges did score that third round for him. I mean, how tired oh, were yeah. you in that third round? Oh, yeah, he, that third round was his. <laughs> uh, it just kind of, you know, was going into going that third round, and we were fighting at that, uh, that same pace basically for the first two rounds. And that third round, he kicked it up and I cared. And, um, you know, I didn't quite... Um, move up to that level like soon enough or at all I guess and you know you got that awesome that leg kick like you know like or that head kick um, they all be pretty flush uh, you know from there <laughs> it's just kind of like a hang on fight back kind of type of fight for those last couple minutes there yeah I mean what was his stand up like in that third round with those kicks because I mean on paper we we know uh, Tibura as a Polish grappling champion. So when he went out there and he was attacking you on the feet in the third round, I mean, was that surprising? Um, no, that's actually what was in the third is what we were kind of expecting in the first. Uh, you know, the first round he was kind of slow started there. Um, but no, we were aware of the kicks and all that. Did you know, did see that one coming? Coming and it, it landed good. Yeah, man, and congrats on the victory. And real quick, back to the Rochalt fight real quick. I want to know, uh, how strong is that guy in the clinch? Because, I mean, we've seen him, you know, stall out so many fights. So I need to know firsthand, how strong is Jared Rochalt? Um, It's more on, he always, he can, uh, his angles and his positioning are really good. And he's got uh, really good pressure. It's not so much, you know, as, you know uh, horsepower straight. It's just, he knows how to... Um, manipulate and put uh, pressure where it needs to be, like, you know, just that, like a good wrestler, you know, should do, it <laughs> should be. Uh, it just wasn't overpowered, it was just, he did uh, a lot of positioning um, where it's tough to kind of weasel your way out. Right, yeah, so he makes it tough to, like, dig in for that underhook and turn him around and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so obviously we mentioned you take on Marcin Tibura, you get the unanimous decision, and uh, how well were you treated by that crowd in Zagreb, man? Because I mean, you're the American, obviously. Um, overall, I think I was uh, pretty good. Um, uh, if nothing else, I think the uh, mustache might have won them over. Oh yeah. Yeah, I keep saying we're going to talk about the mustache soon, man. Because, uh, I, like I said, I know everyone, that's the first thing they ask you about. So that, that, that's going to be the last thing we talk about on Half the Battle. But, uh, but I mean, I got to know, man. I mean, were they like, you know, were people taking pictures with you after? Were people stoked to meet you? I mean, what was the deal? Um, well, afterwards, like during the whole week there uh, in Croatia, everybody was super friendly and uh, very, you know, accepting and um the only interaction I really had with them was um, after the fight when I was walking back to, uh, you know, in the back there. And um, that was pretty much all the interaction I could get from because they loaded me up an ambulance and took me to the hospital right away to get a CT scan done on my eye. So, um, 
but I was already out of the arena like five minutes after the fight. <laughs> nice, man. So uh, did you get to chill in Zagreb at all for a week after the fight, or did you come home like a couple days later? No, we came. Like uh, pretty much all the Americans had a, had a flight right away like uh, six in the morning, so we were basically pack our bags and head to the airport just right away when we got back. And, yo, that flight must have been brutal, huh? Yeah, that one, that was a little rough. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't too bad. I was able to pretty much sleep the whole flight, but uh, uh, nine and a half hours in a, in a plane is not made for big guys. <laughs> yeah. What's it like cutting weight in Europe, man? Because not only are you, you know, across the world, but that jet lag, it's no joke. Because, like, look, for me, I was in Vegas last week for UFC 197. Now I'm back in ATL. It's only a four-hour difference, and I'm fucked up from that. So I got to know what it was like, you know, traveling a 12-hour distance, being in a completely different time zone, and having to cut weight. My only job was to watch the fights last week. Your job was to actually participate in the fights. Um, yeah, well, I got a, I flew out probably eight days prior, so I had a full week in, uh, Zagreb, um, in Croatia, and, uh, and it was like, wait, how do you not supposed to be too big? Like, you know, I was like 268 when I got on the plane, so, like, I was on the way to, all I had to do was get uh, a little water weight out of me throughout the week, but, um, the time change, I didn't feel like. Waking up in the morning was normal and probably till about Wednesday. So it took me probably about three, four days to get adjusted to the time change. Yeah, man. And uh, when you saw Marcin on fight week, I mean, could you get that sense that, you know, even though he's not the hometown guy, he is the European guy. Could you tell that they were, you know, he was their guy? Um, not really. <laughs> A lot of people I was talking to would, uh, would ask me who I was fighting, and uh, I tell them, uh, you know, he's from uh, Poland, and a lot of, I got a lot of Snickers when I said that, so I felt like uh, maybe that maybe I wasn't going to be the hated American, so oh, yeah. I think it worked out. Oh, yeah, so do uh, Croatia and Poland have some kind of beef? Because I actually don't know. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I think they might, they might because it happened quite a, quite a bit, actually. When you're talking to you know people around the draft, they're like, "Oh, you fight? Where's he from?" And I'd be like, "Oh," and they'd be like, "Yeah, now you win." I'm like, "All right." Wow, man! I wonder, uh, you know, what the history is behind that. Do you know? Do you know if it, they had a war back in the day or any shit like that? Uh, um, no, not with them. I, I just know it was, uh, you know, Yugoslavia. I know they kind of like we fought for their independence from them, but. I don't know what, what the deal is with Poland. <laughs> Maybe they have like a soccer rivalry or something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. So what's your ceiling? You know, how far do you want to take this, man? Obviously, everyone wants to be champion, but where do you see yourself, you know, in the next year? Um, Just right now, uh, just kind of scratch the quad, get myself in the top 15 area. And then from there, then we'll see uh, – we'll see – I guess if I get there, then we'll have to, you know, up it, <laughs> up it again. But right now, I'll just kind of sit down there at a low, low level, uh, just trying to get up there and uh, get a couple more good fights in and maybe crack the top 15. Okay, so you're trying to still get a little bit more experience and then work your way up. Yep. So, I mean, obviously you'll fight anyone to give you, but is there anyone specifically at heavyweight that you'd like to fight or call out? 
Um, no, I haven't actually been thinking about that too. Like, I got, like, is there anyone I really want to call out? Or, well, no, I got, you know, because it's my last, last fight of my contract. Um, and, you know, fight whoever they, get, they throw out there for it, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, well, best of luck to you, man. Go out there and win win that fight and get a new contract, man. That's what it's all about. And uh, I guess we finally got to get to the fan questions, man. We got to get to the mustache questions. So uh, you ready for it, man? <laughs> so uh, actually, you know, first fan question, it, w- it has nothing to do with the mustache. This is a good one. So Hari Tarvainen wants to know, do you specifically work on your cardio? Because for a big dude, you seem to set a quick pace on your fights and go full steam all three rounds. Um, no more than anybody else, I think. You know, I do a lot of, I do actually go run a lot. I do, I do a lot of conditioning stuff, but, um, I just am able to, uh, you know, my resting heart rate is like, even when I'm not in great shape, it's like in the, you know, the upper 40s, you know, I'm just, I think I kind of might be one of those biology, you know, biologically a little, little weird in, those, in that area, but, um, no, I just do a really good job of staying within my target heart rate and not, uh, you know, uh, over, you know, blowing your load too early, I guess, you know, yeah. go up there and, and you know, go really, really fast, really fast, and then you're out of breath for the rest of the round. I just kind of know when to up it and when not to, and I kind of stay within that, you know, normal area, I guess. There you go. And Billy Baggerman wants to know, who would win in a fight between your mustache and Don Fry's mustache? And who's... Don Fry? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ooh. I still gotta give it... I still gotta give it to Don. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's... He's a girl in history for many, many years, and if you really want to think about it, you know, like... I'm still just a little boy, girl trying to grow it while he's, you know, the dad looking down like, yeah, keep trying, bud. <laughs> well, that's a very classy response. Now, I, I got a question for you myself, man. I mean, are you a fan of this sport? And what I mean by that is, you know, some guys, they specifically only like fighting. They don't follow the sport. You know, guys like Robert Whitaker, if you ask him who his favorite fighters are, he can't even name three. But then there's guys like James Vick, and he he knows, you know, the top 15 guys in every single weight class. He know, he follows the sport very closely. Where do you fall in there? Um, I'm probably more or less on the fighting. <laughs> um, like, I know I follow, like, the big lines and stuff like that, you know, the big headlines and the big news and stories. But um, outside of that, um, I'm kind of, you know, MMA literate. <laughs> I don't, you know, I didn't really follow the sport at all, even when I started getting into it or before I got into it. I was like, if it was on TV at the bar or at the restaurant we were at, I'd watch it. But, uh, you know, I was never, uh, I was never like a real uh, fanboy of it. Uh, just kind of fell into it and tried to pick it up as I go, I guess. That's uh, that's respectable, man. And But I'm sure the names uh, Fabricio Werdum and Stipe Miocic ring a bell, right? Yes. <laughs> and, yes, uh, they do. So who do you have in that fight, if you were to make a pick? <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. I know, I right? I'm going to go with Steve. All right, so you're picking a new yeah. champion. You know, it, it's an interesting one because where Doom's gotten so much better, he, uh, you know, he used to just be known for his jiu-jitsu, but now, ever since he started working with Master Rafael Cordero, his striking's gotten better. But with Stipe, I mean, the guy's a, he's a cardio machine. He's almost like the Bisbing of heavyweight, except he's got serious knockout power. So, 
Man, that is yep. one hell of a fight, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm happy I'm not quite up to that level yet. I got where I can develop myself yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and... Oh, it, those, are a couple, those are a couple of scary dudes, man. <laughs> no, that, no sense lying about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, they, they truly are, man. And it's crazy to see, you know, heavyweights with that kind of skill level and cardio because, you know, back in the day... You know, people used to joke about like, oh, it's another heavyweight fight. They're, you know, it's going to be a snooze fest. But now you got guys, like we mentioned, like Stipe, who, you know, he can keep up a, a hard pace for 25 straight minutes and, you know, look like Frankie Edgar, yeah. but the but the heavyweight version. So it's crazy how the sport's evolved, man. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, uh, and just like it for every every sport all at all times, no matter what it is, you know, it's always going to be evolving and leaning one way then all of a sudden it'll just evolve back it's just kind of that you know up the river down the river that you just got to expect from uh sport yeah definitely and what kinds of things are you doing to evolve your game um working a lot of striking um you know i got a couple of good uh boxing coaches up here uh, and right now it's just kind of um getting uh you know really fluid in um in um in uh boxing and then from there, then we'll go. We're you know, like right now we're starting to mix in some more, uh, more kicks. You know, boxing starting to come along pretty good. So now we're just going to add in, uh, you know, a handful of kicks uh, get me comfortable throwing those handfuls. And that's just kind of the the training style that we're gonna we're kind of developed this last you know, uh, like eight months with me that we're just gonna keep doing. You know, and you know, every month add in something different or add in something new and get that into you know the the arsenal. So. Uh, that's kind of seems to be working right now, and um, I think we're going to just kind of stick with it. Well, there you go, man. And uh, when can we expect your return? Um, it'll be fall sometime. Um, like I said, there was a the July 11th. They got the DOC uh, event here in Sioux Falls, which is literally it's like only a, an hour and a half away from my hometown. <laughs> so I would, I would love to get get on that card, but. Uh, for the whole month of June, I'll be out in uh, Fort Irwin, California, doing uh, military training. So I will not be able to train for a fight. So uh, I get back from that July 1st, and so basically eight weeks eight weeks out from July 1st would be the earliest. One last thing before I let you go: What kind of music do you like? Um, that is that is uh, from one end of the spectrum to the other. Um, I get be listening to. You know, you know, hip hop to uh, rock to uh, you know even some you know techno music. And, uh, but I guess if you know, if it put a gun to my head and forced me to say an answer, it'd probably be like a '90s country music would definitely be it. You know, real country music, not bro country. Okay, and you got any artists you like specifically or bands? Uh, Alan Jackson. I absolutely love Alan Jackson. All right. Well, hey, man, thanks so much for taking the time. Please keep the mustache. It's important. And uh, we can't wait to see what you do next, man. All right, thanks. Appreciate it. But, folks, Tim the Bear Johnson. Make sure you follow him at TBearTim on Twitter. And next week, we got James Vick back on the show. You know we got to talk about his big victory over Glaco Frank at UFC 197. And just announced he's taking on Evan Dunham at UFC 199, so you know we'll be talking all about that. Always make sure to subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube, and until the next time, enjoy the fights.